When I started praying about what to study this week, where we were going to go, because we've been on friendship, we've been on reconciling relationships, we've talked about divine favor with God and with people, and this is the thought that came to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it was God, because it's not what I wanted to teach on. Uh, we need a revelation of love before we can proceed. We need a revelation of God's love before we can proceed. So go with me to Romans 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 3. There's a little phrase in, in this teaching. And, you know, with the Apostle Paul, it's really hard. You can't find the beginning and the end to a sentence. He, like, never breathes. He, like, just talks in this one big sentence. And so when you try to get to just that nugget that you're wanting to pull out, you kind of have to read a whole chapter because there's no good starting place and no good stopping place. But we'll try. Uh, Romans 5, verse 3, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version if you're looking at it on a device. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, this is the revelation that I'm working on, okay? It's a work in progress, I promise you. God's love has been poured into my heart. I may say it 10 times a day this week. I need to. God's love has been poured into my heart. If his love has been poured into my heart then that kind of love is available for me to walk out. Because we can think of a gazillion excuses, and I used one on Kim Lankford a while ago, as to why we might not love somebody. You know, and, and look, we get all kinds of crazy ideas about what that looks like, what that means. You know, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you staying in a marriage and getting beat. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm not talking about that. Love protects, okay? But barring those extreme cases, Jesus, first of all, showed us what God's love looks like flowing from a human being. He was the example. There was times that it looked like he handled people pretty roughly. Nobody wants to talk about that. They just, they just want to give the examples of, you know, don't throw stones. You know, they, those are great examples. But he also looked at some people, some religious people, and he said, you brood of vipers. Was he love? The answer to that is yes. So, you know, just... Remember when you're, when you're reading Jesus and you're watching Jesus that he dealt with people according to the condition of their heart. And if their clay, if you will, is hardened, then sometimes he had to penetrate that heart to try to reach that heart. But if their heart was broken, you see him handling it very gently. And so we have to be led by the Spirit to know how the love of God is supposed to flow through us. It's not, always, it's not always mousy. And it's certainly never weak because it takes great strength to put our flesh down 
and to walk in love. This is not going to be an easy message. I just want to tell you up front, I've already had to eat it myself. God serves it to me first before I serve it to you. So anything that, uh, that I say, he's already made me taste of it, and he's, he's right. <laughs> he's right. God's love has been poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit who was given to me. NIV says God has poured out his love into our hearts. Bible in basic English says our hearts are full of the love of God through the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are full of the love of God through the Holy Spirit. You can look at a gazillion different translations. Every one of them is going to tell you the same. You have the love of God in your heart when you receive Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit does his work, the new birth. Okay, so what's the problem? <laughs> If we got the love of God in our heart and we have that capability and it doesn't flow out of us, there's a stoppage somewhere. Yeah, Lori, right here. <laughs> right here. Because we deal with things sometimes according to the flesh. So that's why we teach it. That's why I'm studying it is because I need to get that stoppage out of the way where I can go ahead and flow in the love of God. To think that I am now capable of loving with his love. Because, go back, God's love has been poured into my heart. Whose love? Not Susan's love. Not Susan's love. God's love has been poured into my heart and now that I'm capable of it because he's given me his love I'm commanded I'm commanded to walk in love that's not a suggestion and this is what God was really dealing with me about this is not a suggestion and if we really you know we talk about you know flowing in the gifts of the spirit and seeing miracles and raising the dead and, and all those things that we say we desire to walk in. They all work by love. So revelation of love is not just about being nice to your neighbor, although it is. It, it opens up a whole new world into doing the works of Christ because he did everything out of love. First I love him and now I can love people. So what does that kind of love look like? Well, it's supposed to look like how he loves me is how I love you. That's what it's supposed to look like is how he loves me is how I love you. And I think here's one of our problems. We haven't yet received the revelation of how he loves me. So it affects how I love you. So I think one of the most basic things we can do if we really want to walk in this love walk is to go back and, and God loves me. God forgave me. God gave his life for me. And just go back to some of those foundational truths and let them become new to us and let them condition our heart, I should say our minds. Let those condition our minds so that we can transfer that love that's been transferred to us to other people 
Go with me to Ephesians 5. And this is why we have to have a revelation of what his love looks like. And, you know, so many times, even in our own lives as Christians, no matter how mature we are in our walk with God, it's so easy to go back to works, performing for God, thinking that we're getting God's favor or gaining more love or gaining more relationship because of our performance. And and we expect people to perform for us for love. I just expected a few more (laughs) nods than that. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. I, I don't know what else to say. Be, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, just like children imitate their, their parents or their grandparents. I mean, they, they walk like them. They start moving like them. You'll look at them sometimes. I look at Jordan Paul out there, and half the time I go, little PJ. Just, just, you know, because he just does things just like his daddy. And be imitators of God as dearly loved children. As children that love their parents, imitate their parents, we love God and we imitate him. We want to be like him. We want to grow up to be like him. We want to grow in this. He's, verse 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a Life of love. You know, it's like sometimes we think love's a one-time act. <laughs> well, I, I loved them. I, I did this. No, live the life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So any sacrificing I do to love somebody is a fragrant offering and sacrifice to... So I didn't give this up for you when I love you. It becomes a fragrance in the nostrils of God. It's a sweet smell to him. It is a sacrifice to him. And that was a big adjustment for me. Because sometimes I think, yes, I, I need to love people for people. But then I can get conditional. But if I love people for God, can I use good English right here or bad English? He ain't never done me wrong. I have no excuse not to walk in love when I'm doing it for him. If I'm doing it for people, I can find a gazillion reasons. So tonight, I want us to go like we've never read it before to 1 Corinthians 13. And you know, sometimes when you're, when you're teaching and you've taught for, I don't even know how many years, you think... They know 1 Corinthians 13. Do you do that, John? I do. You know, we're going to cover a scripture and we think. But tonight, I titled it, A Revelation of Love. 
because I'm constantly needing a, a deeper revelation of love. So we're going to read it like we've never read it before. And I'm going to tell you this up front so I don't have to say it every single time. A lot of these definitions, almost all of them, I got from uh, Rick Renner from his Greek study on love. And I did look them up in the Strong's or some of the concordances to make sure that they were on target. And, of course, they're on target because that's what he does is studies New Testament Greek. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. This is out of the NIV. First thing we got to do is we got to look at the word love. And there again, I'm going to act like you don't know anything tonight, okay? I'm just, there are different Greek words for love. We're not going to teach those tonight. But this Greek word for love is agape, A-G-A-P-E. And who was it that told me somebody used a funny word for agape today? Oh, it was Debbie. Yeah, agape. And, and you know what? They may be right. I don't speak Greek, so I've just always heard it as agape, A-G-A-P-E. This, this is the highest purest level of love that exists in the universe. In the heavens, it, this is it. This is the ultimate kind of love. And there's all kinds of different love. It means like my affection for Rusty. And then there's a kind of love that talks about my love like for my children or my friends. There's a sexual kind of love. There's, you know, this love. Agape is the God, we call it the God kind of love, the highest purest level of love. Rick Renner calls it high-level love. High-level love. This is how he defines it. A sacrificial love that moves one to action. A sacrificial love that moves one to action. That is rooted in the decision to keep on loving regardless of response. That's the kicker. I'll read it again. A sacrificial love that moves you to action. That is rooted in the decision to keep on loving regardless of the response. That's what Jesus did. Here's a truth that we've got to get a hold of. God is love. It's not God loves. God is love. That's, that's all there is in him. It's, it's pure. He, he can't not love you. He may, he may correct us. He, he's supposed to. He's our father. He may correct us, but he, he is love. I want to get to the point where I can say Susan is love because she's an imitator of God and God is love. 
I mean, that's the goal. And there's days that's easier than others. There's days that didn't work out too well. But we've got it in our minds that that's the goal. And I think that this teaching will help us get a little further than we've been. This very first verse shows us that the God kind of love is more than talk. It's more than talk. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm just making noise. So it's not, this kind of love is not just talk. Because he's saying if you do speak in in the tongues of men and angels and you don't have love, it's just an aggravating noise, a clanging cymbal. So it's more than talk. Because the motive behind our words determines the effect of our words. You ever had anybody tell you that they loved you? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was words. But the motive behind the, in the heart determines the effectiveness of the words. You've probably made statements like, she said all the right things, but... It was just words, it was just all talk. What were you doing? The, the words were right, but you felt the motive of the heart. I can speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but if I don't have agape, sacrificial love, I am only an irritating noise. And when I say it, it doesn't penetrate their heart. It aggravates their ears. And if if you're repelling somebody, then there's a heart wrong in one place or the other. Sometimes it's the ears. But I need to make sure it's not my words, that it's not what I'm speaking from my heart. Romans 12, 9, you don't have to turn there, but it tells us agape love must be sincere and without hypocrisy. Agape love has to be real. has to be real and without hypocrisy. It's not manipulating. It's not saying things to manipulate people. It is a sincere Love, that's Romans 12, 9. Agape love must be sincere without hypocrisy. That word sincere, it was, I mean, without hypocrisy, it means like an actor, like a stage actor, playing the part but not the real deal. So I can get up here and play the role of a doctor, but you don't want me doing brain surgery. Well, sometimes people put on the look of love They put on the look of love, but it's play acting and it's not the real deal. Sincere love can be heard. It can be felt. And when we feel like someone is not hearing us, we need to take note of that. And we need to to stop our words and start talking from our heart. Have you ever gone into a situation with somebody and you start talking to them and you really have an, an objective, you have something that you're trying to do, and, and you can tell your words are bouncing off. Just stop when you do that and start talking from the heart. 
That's what I have to learn to do. Because if you're like me, sometimes when I know I'm going into a situation, I start rehearsing what I'm going to say. Well, it's real hard to be led by the Spirit when we do that. So just put on the brakes and say, hey, you know, I know that this might have sounded wrong, but let me just share my heart with you. And, and then, then, we, then you can be heard because love has to be sincere and without hypocrisy. And then that shows up in our words. And don't let your pride hide your love. Because a lot of times in situations, we're trying to win. We're trying to win. We're trying to win the conversation. We're trying to make a point. We're trying to win a conversation. And then pride gets in the way. And if what you're trying to express is in an irritating sound to them, then back it off. Lose the rehearsed words and start speaking from the heart. And perhaps use fewer words. I've always thought if somebody's over-talking, there's usually an issue. I like fewer words. If you're going to talk to me, I like fewer words. Just FYI. Verse 2. Y'all ready to move on? We've got a lot to cover. We may not get done tonight. Verse 2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love has to be the motive for all godly things. I mean, that's that in a nutshell. Love has to be the motive for all godly things. I love Galatians 5, 6. It says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. This is key for those that you, well, actually this fits all of you. Those of you who are out doing the works of Christ. Praying for people, ministering to people. You know, if we're doing it to use the word I, to build a reputation or to build our own kingdom, so to speak, it's, the gifts are not going to work that way. They are springboarded by love. And that's why I like Galatians 6. The only thing that counts out of the NIV, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So you can move a mountain. If you don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. You sacrifice your body, be a martyr. But if you didn't do it out of love, it's nothing. You gain nothing. Give everything you own to the poor. If you didn't do it out of love, they gained something, but you gained nothing. See, there's a reward for when we give in love. When we lend to the poor, God will repay, the scripture says. And so love has to be the motive for everything we do, and it'll produce godly results. Now let's, let's get down into the next verse because this is when he starts getting into what love is and what love isn't. These verses will tell us what love is and what love isn't. What love will do and what love will not do. And when we read these, we can see where and when we're operating in the love of God and when we're not. And... I, Y'all just want to tell you, when we read these, it hurts. 
I mean, it, it hurts because I'm like, oh, you know, not since today have I done that. So, but we're here to be corrected because God loves us, and this is, and we want to, we want to grow in this. So don't let it con- condemn you. This is for growth. Okay. You'll also see where you've done things right as well. All right. Love is patient. Verse four. Love is patient. Now, right there, he just slams us right on the first verse, doesn't he? Love is patient. Patient is restraint of anger. That means when somebody does something and that, that heat comes from the inside and works its way up to your head, your chest turns red, your face starts turning red, veins start popping out in the side of your head, and words are fixing to fly out your mouth. Patience is the restraint of anger. It is long-suffering. Who likes that word? Long-suffering while waiting. You know, we get, we get in a hurry for people to change, but patience is long-suffering. It is the restraint of anger while we wait. Love is kind. And y'all, if you don't get all these written down, I have a cheat sheet for you at the end of the night with, all, with Rick Renner. Well, it's not Rick Renner's. I took a Susan version of Rick Renner's, and Tanya has it in the notes on the computer. So, Bible program too. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now, this one was kind of hard for me. Because kind is not just being nice. It would be kind of easy if just kindness was just being nice. But man, this definition, whew, y'all ready? Adaptable to the needs of others. This is, this is Renner's definition of the Greek words. Adaptable to the needs of others. A willingness to serve and help in order to impact them in a meaningful way. Well, I have to bend over backwards for a lot of... Was it the Apostle Paul that, you know, he pretty much said he would become what he needed to become to reach who he needed to reach? And that doesn't mean going to the bar and getting drunk so that you can reach the drunk. That's not what he's talking about. I've seen that scripture used so many crazy ways, it's not even funny. You know, be like Philip Renner. I, y'all, he does some of the craziest stuff to reach people. But, but he doesn't conform. He goes into some, he'll go down to Mardi Gras with his guitar and his Jesus-loving crew, and they lay hands on the transgenders and pray for them, and, you know, but he's not dressed as... He's not conforming. He's not lowering uh, from, from God's mandates, he's, but he's taking the love of God into some crazy places. We've been with him uh, when he would go to the Capitol. He went to the Capitol in Little Rock, and a bunch of us went down and and, and went to that. He's, he's gone to capitals all over the United States, standing out there with his guitar, his little crew out there just praying for people on the street. He is adapting for the purpose of 
impacting them in a meaningful way. I'm not saying God's going to direct you to go to extremes. But when God wants to reach somebody, he may have you play softball when you didn't play softball before. I mean, I've, God can just place you in the most amazing in the amazing positions when you're willing to be a vessel to be used, adaptable to the needs of others, a willingness to serve and help in order to impact them in a meaningful way. Love is adaptable to the needs of others. Love does not envy. It's not ambitious and self-centered. It's not consumed with itself. Love is not consumed with itself. It is consumed with the needs of others. Love does not envy. You know, when I was reading through this, I recognized a lot of these does nots because it told us what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now we're to the it does not. A lot of these I recognized from 2 Timothy chapter 3 as the social characteristics of the end times. And I, you'll notice that as we read down through these. It does not envy. It does not boast. This one was interesting. It does not excessively self-talk. It doesn't excessively talk about itself. It's not self-promoting. It does not exaggerate its own virtues. You ever hear anybody just brag on themselves? If I, if I could have taped Dawn's face right there, that was perfect. I got the eye roll. And you know, that's what people do, right? And so love, love, love can't flow through that. They're not receptive to what you have to say. When you talk about yourself, sometimes we need to stop and listen how many times we're using the word I. You know, we, we, have, we have a friend that just uses the word I all the time, sends us text, I did this, I did this. You know what? I, I, there's this little button on social media. I, I'm, I'm still friends. But I put it on, you can, you can snooze them for 30 days. <laughs> and you know what? It helps me walk in my love walk. Because I, I'm not feeding myself the resounding symbol. I'm not listening to the, the gong, the repetitive. I'm separating myself from that noise so that when I see them, it is much easier for me to walk in love. I've I got to protect my love walk. I, I need to because I don't need to not operate in love with them. And so that snooze button, snooze for 30 days, it's on there. If you need to know how to do that, holler at me. <laughs> love does not boast. Agape love is able to celebrate others' successes. Have you ever talked, and, and maybe you've done this, maybe I've done this, because I think sometimes we do things and we don't recognize it, and that's part of why we're doing this study is so that when we catch ourselves, we can go, 
nope, I don't need to say that. It's so tempting when somebody is telling us what they've done, our immediate response is what we've done. You want me to go a step further? This is what their kid has done, but this is what my kid has done. You want to go further? This is what my grandkid did. That's what their grandkid did. Have you ever noticed that in conversation? Well, I ate tuna fish on lettuce for lunch. Well, I skipped lunch and just had a protein drink. <laughs> we are so competitive. We, our grandkid, our two-year-olds have to compete with other people's two-year-olds. Well, they talk. They can talk. Oh, they can say anything. Well, mine knows their colors. This is not love. I need to recognize this is not... This is not love because we need to be able to celebrate. Why can't we look at people and say, Oh my goodness, your grandchildren. What, what brilliant grandchildren you have. Why can't, why can't we just do that? We can. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. And love does not boast. I'm working on it too. Love is not proud. It's not superior. It's not haughty. It's not arrogant. And I love this from 1 Corinthians 8.1. It tells us that love edifies. Not, not myself. I'm not edifying myself to you. But love edifies. That's 1 Corinthians 8.1. Love edifies. You know what edifies means? Like an edifice. It builds up. Love builds up other people. So if you come in with new boots or a new outfit, you're not there to show yourself out of pride, but you can look, women, we can look at another woman and say, you look so cute. Guys, please don't do that. But... <laughs> You know, we need to be able to, you sold how many cars? Man, that's, that's wonderful. Can car dealers say that to each other? Only if the love of God has been poured into their hearts. That's a dog-eat-dog world, isn't it? So, you know, competitive is good in games. It's just not that great in life. We need to be able to not walk in pride, but be able to edify the other person. That's one good way we can see if we are walking in love. Can I say something good about that person? Or a step further, can I say something edifying to that person? Well, crickets. <laughs> Verse 5, love is not rude. Oh, I've got to work on this one. My mother and my husband are on the front row, and I'm really trying to walk in love right now. Because I can, I can hear a little chit-chat going over there. I don't use a lot of words, you know, so I need to make sure that the words that I use are a little softer. 
Edify me, babe. Edify. <laughs> Careless and inconsiderate of others. Careless and inconsiderate of others. Discourteous. We, we've kind of lost manners. Etiquette. So we, you know, we need to be teaching that in our homes, uh, with our grandchildren. You know, I'm trying to teach... Trying to teach Jordan Paul, thank you. He can't say it yet, but he says something, and I think that's what he's saying. But sometimes you have to have tongues and interpretation of tongues with him right now. But, you know, just teaching courtesy, common, it used to be, common courtesy. Don't be discourteous and use bad manners with people. You know, teach our children and even ourselves, speak when spoken to. I mean, I know stranger danger and all that, but you're not going to endanger yourself if somebody says hello and you say hello. And you could stop right there if you need to and walk away. But if, you know, if you're at the farmer's market and you have a grandkid with you and, and they say something to that child, you know, teaching that child when we go, if someone speaks to you, you speak back or we're going to the car. It's, it's teaching courtesy. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's not seeking its own happiness and comfort. I, I love the way, I think it was Rick Renner that said it this way. Love is not seeking its own happiness and comfort. That's not the leading thing for love. My own comfort is not my leading concern. And, and that goes, you know, you, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can see that society in the last days, everything is going to be self-seeking, but love is not self-seeking. It, it will not manipulate for its own advantage. Fake love manipulates for its own advantage. Tries to pull it off as love, but it's not love because it's for their own advantage. And we have to recognize that and we have to make sure that we're not doing that. Love is not easily angered. It's not easily provoked. Um, Rick Renner's version of this word, it, it, it talks about someone who walks along beside someone poking them with a, with a stick. Social media, y'all, I'm sorry. You know, just poke, 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 trying to get a negative response. Love does not try to incite violence. It does not try to incite anger. It does not try to get a negative response out of somebody. Love doesn't do that. Love wants to protect them from that. Love wants the other person to be able to walk in love. For their own good. So love is not easily angered. It does, it's not easily provoked. And it doesn't poke and provoke. I could just, that was such a visual for me. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Making a list and checking it twice. Love does not keep a detailed record of wrongs done. It doesn't drag up past offenses. Once you've confronted or dealt with a matter, 
you are able to release it. Love is able to release it. Not that you don't ever deal with something. We've talked about this in past sessions, right? Sometimes, and the scripture teaches us to confront things when, when we're wronged. We can confront them. If it's something that needs to be confronted, the scripture gives us that advice to confront it. Maybe even take somebody with us when we confront it, and that helps keep, keep both parties in line to have a mediator. If you need a mediator, by all means, get you a person. It's not going to take sides. It's going to tell you both the truth. But love does not keep a record, and once you've confronted or dealt with the matter, it's able to release it. I thought that was excellent. Rick Renner said that. I thought that was so good. Confront it, deal with it, release it. And then if they don't, you've done your part and, and you remain in the high level of love. You don't step down from it because of their response. You remain in that level of love. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't celebrate when they get what you think they deserved. Did you get all that? Love does not celebrate when they get what you think they deserved. I mean, this all goes back to, to love as God has poured this love in our heart. He did not rejoice when I was getting what I deserved. He died so I would not have to live under what I deserved. He sacrificed so I would not have to live under what I deserved. Can we walk in enough love that we don't celebrate when they get what we think they deserve? Karma. Have you ever said that? My mother said no. Karma. Oh, that was karma. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Oh, yeah, that's scripture. Yeah. Oh, they, something bad happened to them. Oh, they, you reap, they reaped what they sowed. That is not what God intended for that verse. He didn't mean it as a weapon for us to use on each other. Love doesn't celebrate when they get what you think they deserve, but rather when truth is found. That's what it says. It rejoices with the truth. It rejoices when truth is found, especially when that person finds the truth. That's rejoicing. They did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong to me. But when they found the truth, my heart can rejoice. Verse 7. This is getting longer and longer. Love always protects. I loved Rick Renner's visual of this. He said it's literally like building a roof or a pavilion over something to protect it from exposure. Love protects from exposure. Love does not set out to expose other people's failings. Well, let, me just, let me just talk straight to you. <laughs> when we have people in, our, in your friendship circle or in this body 
that have accusations against them, whether they are guilty or whether they are innocent. We put a roof over our people. And we don't need to be caught exposing. Let the law handle the law. There's consequences. There's law. But when it's our people, we are building a roof. And we are covering and we are protecting them from the elements of life, the storms of life that have come against them. If they are if they're put themselves there and they're guilty, it is not my job to expose them to the rest of the church. Okie dokie. Love protects. It covers. It conceals. It's a shield for the purpose of protecting from the storms of life and exposure. That's its purpose. Love always trusts. And that one can be a hard pill to swallow because we're thinking, uh... Let's, let's look at what it really means here, okay? It doesn't mean somebody stole my wallet, so I'm going to lay my wallet out in front of them. That's not love, okay? It doesn't ignore, but it makes a choice to see and a choice to be open beyond the problems to see the potential. It doesn't ignore, but it makes a choice to see. It makes a choice to be open beyond the problems and see the potential. I have seen God make winners out of losers. I have seen God bring beauty from ashes. I have lived God changing a bitter woman into a minister of the gospel. So why would we not trust that God can do a work in the person that we're dealing with? Trust that the potential is in that person for God to do a wonderful work. Let's not be the ones that shut the door to the flow of love that is the only power that can change a person's life. Love always hopes. It keeps its eyes open for the good, anticipates. You know what it's saying? Love doesn't give up believing that God can do something in that person's life. It keeps hoping. You may not can live with them. You may not can work with them. But you can remain steadfast in your place of love. Don't lower, your, don't lower your love level to a different level, to a different Greek word. We, we stay in agape. And I believe the Holy Spirit can tell you um, what that looks like in your relationship with that person. Love always perseveres. It endures. Love endures. Rick Renner said this. This is what this looks like. I love that because he he says this is what that looks like. A person who is under a heavy load but doesn't quit 
because he knows he is where he is supposed to be and has resolved to stay put. Love endures. Love endures. Like a person who is, yes, they're under a heavy load, but they don't quit because they know that is where they are supposed to be and has resolved to stay put. Said the Holy Spirit have to minister to you of what that looks like in your situation because sometimes I've dealt with people where that situation was to leave and get to a safe place and love from there, forgive from there, and then there's other times that things are petty and and you need to stay put, stay put in the same location, but you stay put in your position of love. That's where you stay put. You stay put in your position of love. Does that make sense? Verse 8, love never fails. It never falls from its high position. Never falls from its high position. I love that. I hadn't heard that definition before until I saw it from Renner today. It never falls from its high position. This is what perfect love, this is what God's love looks like. This is what God's love looks like that is in my heart because it's been poured into it through the Holy Spirit. I just, I just need to learn about it. I need to get a revelation of it because until I get a revelation of it, I'm not going to flow in it. I'm not going to catch myself. And, and I can study this and then need to study it again tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And especially when we're dealing with, with, with people that, you know, it's, it's affecting us the wrong way. We need to get these lists back out and, and realize that this love, this love we just read is in my heart. It's already there. It's not something I have to conjure up. It's something I have to choose. So I'm going to read this whole thing from what I put together from the Rick Renner study. And y'all have this available on your notes, online. I do have a couple of sheets. I have about 20. So if y'all need those, I'm going to put them right here by Lynn. <laughs> yeah, you can get one now. Love patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as needed. Love doesn't demand others to be like itself. Rather, it is so focused on the needs of others that it becomes what others need it to be. There's no way for y'all to write this down. It's way too long. You can take a picture of it, too, if you need to. Love is not ambitious. It's not self-centered or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires that others possess. Love doesn't go around talking about itself all the time, constantly exaggerating and embellishing the facts to make it look more important in the sight of others. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snotty or snobbish or clannish manner. Love is not, if one of those didn't hit you, you don't, you don't understand the word. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant way. Love is not rude and discouraged discourteous, it is not careless or thoughtless, nor does it carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. Love does not manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. 
Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp that they cause an ugly or violent response. Love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. Love does not feel overjoyed when it sees someone get what others perceive they deserve. Love rejoices only in truth. Love protects, shields, guards, covers, conceals, and safeguards people from exposure. Love strains forward with all its might to believe the very best in every situation. Love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. Love never quits. It never surrenders. It never gives up its position. I didn't put that word in y'all's, I don't think. It never gives up. Love never gives up its position of the highest level of love. Love will never disappoint. Now, if you really want to get strong on this, what I challenge you to do is put your name in where it says love. We'll use Jody back there, for example. Jody is patient and passionately bears with others as long as needed. Jody doesn't demand others to be like herself. Rather, she is focused on the need of others. If, if we put our name in there, it gets real, real. Or I. I am patient. I am kind. I am either your name or I. And things will start stinging. And that's a good thing. Because that means it's coming to life in you. That means we're being corrected. That means we're changing. We're growing. And we're willing to let the love of God that's been poured in our hearts be recognized and be acted on. Amen? That was a big study today. That was, I started it last night, but um, man, it, there was some stinging going on for me. So, <laughs> so you know, what I put myself through, wanna, I'm going to gather y'all with me, but it's good. Love, they will know we are his disciples by our, not by our faith, not by our use in the gifts, not by our prosperity, not by our, by our love. Everything else comes out of that love. Amen? All right, Kayla's got the mic and Brett's got up his hand. He's ready. Another good study in love is First John, just the, the whole book of First John. Talks a lot about the love you were just talking about. First John. How we're known, how the world knows that we're his. That's the it. love of God and the love of the brethren. It's his mark, isn't it? It's good. Anybody else? Greta? Greta loves people. Uh, whenever I was having a problem when I was working at Walmart with someone, it says in the Bible somewhere to pray for your enemies. Yes. If you start praying for your enemies, you're going to start loving them. That's true. And that's what has worked for me. It's good. If I have some trouble, I'll go to the Lord and I say, Okay, you said pray for your enemies, and that's yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And her, she, whenever I started doing that, I could see her start changing, 
and now we're like good friends. Yeah. You know. Isn't that great? And it's just, it's amazing how God that knows what he's work. talking about, doesn't he, Greta? I like to compare it to a balloon. If you have a balloon and you change and put pressure on one area of it, it forces the rest of the balloon to change. So when we apply love, the, the force of love to the relationship or to the circumstance, it forces a change. They may run from you or they may be drawn to you, but, but the force of love forces the whole situation. It, it forces change. So some people are receptive to it, some people aren't, but it's what we have to apply. That just reminded me, um, this week I was listening, I think, to Bill Johnson, to one of his messages. He was talking about hope and joy, um, and I think the supernatural or something. Anyway, um, he defined hope differently than I had thought of it before. Um, We generally think of hope as, man, I really wish it would happen, or you're just waiting for something to happen, hoping that it really does. And he said that the biblical word for hope was more it to me it sounded like a kid at Christmas that already knew something good's coming and so it's anticipation that's anticipation it's, that's and a it's good based word. on the mm-hmm. trust the whole trust part of it is trust in our father in his goodness yeah that he's good enough he's powerful enough that there is good coming I may not know what it looks like yet but I'm excited you know that's that's a, a better way to for me anyway, to understand hope. That's really good. Anticipation, like Christmas. I like it. But out of trust. Bridget. Um, When I worked with these little kids that were really um, broken hearts, they were challenged, um, how can you say it, Uh, uh, violent children. Anyway, I told my principals, I said, when they walk in the door, I love them. And God gave me that love. Yes. And yeah. and you know, when I saw them, y'all, I, <laughs> they might throw a chair at me or whatever. I never saw them that way. Yeah. But they knew it. So you sow seeds of love. It's still seed time and harvest. You sow those seeds. And you know, a lot of them got born again. But they always changed. And I told them it wasn't me. It was God. Yeah. That's but good. I, but I made up my mind. I said, I love them when they walk in the door. Predetermined. And we, we got to do that to everybody. That's actually. good. Predetermined. Yeah. I like it. Good example. Well, I love this subject. <laughs> love. But anyway, we were in our ladies' Bible study yesterday, uh, and I taught this here a few months ago about one of the greatest commandments is to love God with your mind all of your mind all of your mind and and it says in mark 12 that that is a commandment Mm -hmm. and when we're dealing with the mind we're dealing with our thoughts and our actions and our words and all of that but i was thinking about a particular person you we're dealing with people that's it we're Mm -hmm. dealing with people that's what this love is all about yeah But I have learned with one particular person, well, actually more than one, but one in particular, the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Their boundaries. Their boundaries. Mm -hmm. I know their boundaries, and I've crossed them a time or two. Right. And it brought out something in them 
that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so I have learned the boundaries with a couple of people that mm -hmm. I don't go there. Right. Because I know it, it's just something that sets them off. And I would call that respect, respecting, respecting their boundaries. Respecting their boundaries. So that mm -hmm. is so important when we're dealing with people. And um, in, in loving God with our mind, it's, man, that's so needed. Yeah. Because it's a control factor for us if we will just love him with our mind. And there's just thoughts we can't think. Because that's not loving and honoring God. Mm -hmm. But I think about your dad. <laughs> Patience. His definition of patience, which you can say, was the ability to stand in adverse circumstances without complaining. Right, as Treflo would say, write that down. Right. <laughs> Amen. But the ability um, to stand in adverse circumstances without complaining. Yes. But love is strong. It is. Faith is strong. If, you, if you're strong in faith, you're strong in love. Because faith works by love. It's a good word. Mom has studied love a long time. so. Okay, one of my favorite sayings, and I've been saying this for 35 years, is what you are doing speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you are saying. That's true. That is true. That reminded me of something that Mary Collins always says. She says, nice is a lie. But kindness is truth. Ooh. So. Nice can lie, but mm -hmm. kindness is truth. Mm, that's deep. That's always stuck with me. She said it in Ladies Bible Study one time. And it's good. It's those little nuggets that stick with us, too. Anybody else? Dylan? Oh, brother. He was raising his hand for you. Uh. <laughs> First John 4, we love because he first loved us. So if, I have, if I'm having a, an issue in my love walk with people, I have to take it back to the root and deepen my revelation of how loved I am by the Father. Yeah. And the deeper a revelation I get of how, I'll say, can I, correct me if I'm wrong in using this term of how agape I am. No, the more right. I'll yeah. be able to give out the agape. That's it. And we, we can't think that I'm going to work hard on my love because it's not a matter of striving. It's a matter of positioning. It's good. And when we position ourselves in face-to-face -face communion with, Jesus, with, with the Father, and that love becomes transferred into us, then that love naturally begins to out of, flow. flow out of us. It's good. Carly? It's just a short one, but I've always heard that the only thing you have control over is how you react, and then you can't control how people act towards you, but only in how you respond. And I actually have something on my phone. It says respond in love. So I thought it kind of went with That's what we good. were talking about. But That's real good. It's a good thing to have on your phone. A little reminder. Good reminder. All right. Is that a hand? Yeah. Whenever they were talking about loving your enemies, uh, 
it came to mind, you know, Larry Smith and his... Chocolate cake? Yes, yes, the chocolate cake story. That is one of my all-time favorites. Larry Smith, he's a, he's a minister. Y'all can stand. Larry Smith uh, had a neighbor that was giving him trouble, giving him trouble. I mean, this was just clashing, clashing. And, and Larry was a Golden Gloves boxer. I mean, he was a tough, tough guy. He was a bouncer for a while. He was a steer wrestler. I mean, but God instructed Larry to make his neighbor a chocolate cake and take it to him. And so everybody that's been here very long knows the Larry Smith chocolate cake story. But it's a great example um, of, of some of the things God can ask us to do to show love and to open up a door of relationship reconciliation. They became friends. So that's good. Father, we thank you for this love that you have given towards us, that you've shown towards us. And I just thank you, Father, that tonight is a seed of revelation as we, as we continue and take what we've heard and work on making it a reality in our lives so that we can, we can live it out and not just look at it and wish for it, but that the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who lives on the inside of us, can nudge us and say, mm-mm, <laughs> or bake a cake, pray for them. Father, you are the one that knows their hearts. You're the one that knows their hearts. And so we won't go by our own understanding, but we'll be open to what your Holy Spirit tells us and shows us to do, whether that's to pray and not to approach or whether it's to approach. You're the one that knows the condition of the heart. And our goal is not just reconciliation with people, but it's people having reconciliation with you. And because we love you, it, it has given us the, the capacity for the love of God in our hearts. Your love, not our own. And we thank you that, the, that you're going to continue to work on us as we continue to, to mull this over and to meditate on this in our hearts. We thank you that you're, you're the teacher, you're the revealer of truth. Make it real to us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.